and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. You know, the more I study the Bible, the more I realize that every single book from Genesis to Revelation all point to Jesus. In the Old Testament, Jesus is predicted. In the New Testament, he is revealed, preached, explained, and expected. You find him everywhere because Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible. I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies on my blog. This next series is a hunt for Jesus in the Old Testament. It's how God's story becomes our story when we invite him into our lives. It will help us get to know God better, more intimately. And that's what he wants. He wants a relationship with us. Yes, you and me. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to study what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. Genesis 35, after a dark chapter, God renews his promise with Jacob. The Bible is a holy book. However, it is also a history book, given that there are both nice and not so nice stories in it. Chapter 34 is rather dark, so I'll summarize that one, and you are welcome to read it for yourself. I also recommend the lesson for Genesis 20, 34 in the free Bible app through the word. Um, so Genesis 34. So at this point, Jacob has 12 kids, 11 sons and one daughter, Dinah. They've stopped near the town of Shechem, and Dinah goes to get some girl time with some local women. The prince of the town, also named Shechem, sees her and has her way, has his way with her without permission. Yes, it's the R word. Now, Shechem's father is Hamor, the Hivite, who is a descendant of Ham, Noah's cursed son. Well, that should tell you that this guy is bad news. Then he falls in love with her and wants to marry her. Well, when Dinah's full brothers, Simeon and Levi, hear about it, they make a deal with Shechem. If he wants to marry her, he and all the men of the town must be circumcised. Ouch. So Shechem, without an apology and giving into the lust of the flesh, foolishly agrees. While the men of the town are still hurting, Simeon and Levi killed all the men took their women and children, plundered the town, stole their wealth, and rescued Dinah. In their own perverted sense of just, justice, Simeon and Levi wanted to send the message to not mess with God's people. Needless to say, Simeon and Levi will get theirs in Genesis 49, and their future will suffer for their actions. We'll get there in due time. In addition, Jacob was not happy. So in um, Genesis 34, 30, we read afterward, Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have ruined me. You've made me stink among all the people of this land, among all the Canaanites and parasites. <laughs> we are so few that they will join forces and crush us. I will be ruined and my entire household will be wiped out. Well, Jacob now had a problem, but remember, God made him a promise, and God keeps his promises. So let's dig into the next chapter, Genesis 35. Then God said to Jacob, get ready and move to Bethel and settle there. Build an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. 
So Jacob told everyone in his household, get rid of all your pagan idols, purify yourselves and put on clean clothing. We are now going to Bethel where I will build an altar to the God who answered my prayers when I was in distress. He has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all their pagan idols and earrings and buried them under the great tree near Shechem. As they set out, a terror from God spread over the people in all the towns of that area, and no one attacked Jacob's family. See, God protected them. Eventually, Jacob and his household arrived at Luz, also called Bethel, in Canaan. Jacob built an altar there and named the place El Bethel, which means God of Bethel, because God had appeared to him there when he was fleeing from his brother Esau. Soon after this, Rebecca's old, old nurse, Rebecca's Jacob's mother, Deborah, died. She was buried beneath the oak tree in the valley below Bethel. Ever since, the tree has been called Alan Bacuth, which means oak of weeping. Now that Jacob had returned from Padam Aram, God appeared to him again at Bethel, and God blessed him, saying, Your name is Jacob, but you will not be called Jacob any longer. From now on, your name will be Israel. So God renamed him Israel. Then God said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. You will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will be among your descendants, and I will give you the land I once gave to Abraham and Isaac. Yes, I will give it to you and your descendants after you. Then God went up from the place where he had spoken to Jacob. Jacob set up a stone pillar to mark the place where God had spoken to him. Then he poured wine over it as an offering to God and anointed the pillar with olive oil. And Jacob named the place Bethel, which means house of God, because God had spoken to him there. So next, leaving Bethel, Jacob and his clan moved on toward Ephrath, um, which is Bethlehem. But Rachel went into labor while they were still some distance away. Her labor pains were intense. After a very hard delivery, the midwife finally exclaimed, don't be afraid, you have another son. Rachel was about to die, but with her last breath, she named the baby Ben-Ani, which means son of my sorrow. The baby's father, however, called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, Bethlehem. Jacob set up a stone monument over Rachel's grave, and it can be seen there to this day. Then Jacob traveled on and camped beyond Migdal Eder. While he was living there, Reuben had intercourse with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Jacob soon heard about it. These are the names of the 12 sons of Jacob. The sons of Leah were Reuben, Jacob's oldest son, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's servant, were Dan and Naphtali. The sons of Zilpah, Zilpah, Leah's servant, were Gad and Asher. These are the names of the son who were born to Jacob at Padam Aram. So Jacob returned to his father Isaac in Mamre, which is near Kiriath Arabah, now called Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had both lived as foreigners. Isaac lived for 180 years. Then he breathed his last and died at a ripe old age, joining his ancestors in death. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. 
All right, so here are some important points about that. So God reaffirms his promise to Jacob and his sons, but God tells him to get rid of all the idols of foreign gods. And remember, Rachel stole her father's household gods. See, pagans venerated their ancestors, similar to how Catholics venerate Mary and the saints. There were also special gods for each part of daily life. If you click on over to my blog, I have an article called So Many Gods um, that, um, um, that really just applies to how people worship idols still. God then tells them to purify themselves and put on clean clothes. That is similar to what Jesus wants of us when we repent of our sins. That is stop sinning and are baptized as adults. We are purified, dying to our old selves and rising up to a new life in Jesus with the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And if you click on over to my blog, I found a map of the 12 tribes of Israel, but this is for, this happens after they return from slavery in Egypt. But you can, you can see where everybody ends up and you can also see where Edom is and Moab. Moab are the descendants of Lot. And we learned what about Lot, uh, few chapters ago, um, and Aram and Ar Aram, Ammon and Aram, uh, where they are in the map. So you have an idea of the map of Israel. And if you take a look at it, the, the, the big water in the south, and that is the Dead Sea, and the lake on the top is um, Galilee, uh, the Sea of Galilee. So you can have an idea of where the tribes of Israel were located. And we'll, we'll get into them a little bit further on, especially after they come out of Egypt uh, and the books of um, Exodus and um, Joshua. Okay, Genesis 36, we have Esau's descendants. So I won't bore you with the genealogy of Esau, but they are important. So Esau's other name is Edom. And, because, and, be, and becomes what we know today as the country of Jordan. What we have here is a split in the family tree. So Esau sold his birthright for the lust of the flesh or hunger. Though they become neighbors, there is a never-ending hostility that still goes on today. Edom signifies the flesh, where Israel, being God's chosen people, are the spirit. Contrary to the spirit, we can't live by the flesh and follow God. It doesn't work. The New Testament books of Romans, Galatians, and Colossians cover this in depth. And I've got studies on each of those. If you click on over to my blog, you can access them. Another point of history is that out of Edom come the Herodian kings of the New Testament. They were not born Jewish, but supposedly converted so that they could rule and live in luxury, which are sins of the flesh. So where is Jesus in all this? Jesus is in the promise. Jesus in the purification, and Jesus gives us clean clothes. When we surrender our lives to him, washed in his blood, we are cleansed from all of our sin, past, present, and future. We all must believe, have faith that Jesus is the Christ and die taking our sins away forever. We must repent of our sins, stop sinning, do a complete 180 in your life and surrender your life to him. Be baptized, show the world and yourself that you have died to your old life and are born again in Christ and receive the Holy Spirit in your heart. And how do you do that? By inviting Jesus into your heart, into your life and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says how to invite Jesus into your heart. 
also at the bottom of my blog. I embedded a worship video that is very apropos. You are God alone. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my Father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.